What's up, world? I'm Matt Newberg from Hungary, and this is The Feed. Each episode, we'll dive into conversations with the industry insiders who are leveraging technology to shape the way we eat. On today's episode of The Feed, I sat down with Morley Ivers, co-founder and CEO of Cookin, a Toronto-based food delivery marketplace enabling a new crop of creators to sell hot food from their homes or commissary kitchens. In this episode, we'll talk about the regulatory hurdles facing Cookin and similar platforms, how Cookin is developing its own certification program, and the behavioral shift in how consumers will order food over the next five to 10 years. This podcast is brought to you by Hungry, a media and research platform dedicated to the intersection of food and technology. For more information, please visit Hungry.tv, that's Hungry with no U, and click subscribe to join the weekly newsletter. Morley, it's awesome to have you on today. We'd really love to talk about your background to start. Uh, you've taken a company from startup to IPO called Points. Talk to us about that, to joining various boards, uh, companies like Resi, Olo, and Level Up, to what got you started with cooking. Sure, I'm happy to. You know, caveat being my uh, my wife calls the experience more of a disease than sort of a uh, anything else, but uh, other people might uh, more affectionately refer to it as uh, a bit of serial entrepreneurship. <laughs> and, you know, I've been uh, fairly blessed in my career. Um, I started off my career actually here in Toronto, Matt, with the company that you referenced, uh, Points.com. I spent about half a decade at that. We were basically building loyalty program technologies, um, points programs, rewards programs for airlines and hotels and credit card companies. And, um, you know, was very fortunate in my early 20s. Uh, it was an amazing team. I joined them at the foundation level and uh, we IPO'd on the Toronto Stock Exchange and uh, over the counter on NASDAQ. And, um, you know, we, we were very uh, lucky. I, I then um, moved to New York and took on a role as a CRO for a really interesting company called Recycle Bank. It was a rewards program to incent people to recycle. And the genesis there, Matt, was you know, if I had a little bit of skill in loyalty and rewards, I probably wanted to try to make the world a little bit of a better place. And um, they had, you know, that was a, the, the Venn diagram was just right. It was rewards for environmental stewardship. Spent a few years at that. And, and um, I guess as a Canadian living in America, at that time, Obama was running for president largely on the basis of the Affordable Health Care Act. And I figured if that actually happens, people are going to go online and shop for health insurance. Uh, so I left Recycle Bank, uh, co-founded a company called Maxwell Health, which is a SaaS platform for employee benefits. And, um, you know, we were fortunate. President Obama was elected. We have the Affordable Health Care Act. And yes, people had to go online and shop for health insurance. Um, so I spent some time at the Act. Uh, Sun Life acquired that company. And then, uh, you know, along the way, I started um, to really want to spend a lot of time uh, in food tech because it was, you know, food has always been my passion. So I... I spent time on uh, advisory boards for companies like Kitchen Surfing and Level Up, Resi, six and a half years on the advisory board of Olo until we went public. And um, it was very clear to me that that was, you know, my passion and, and sort of it allowed me to scratch the itch of both spending time with incredible entrepreneurs in, in the space, but also, um, you know, while I was running uh, my day-to-day -day life, you know, it allowed me to sort of have the intellectual curiosity itch scratched for, for food tech. I then uh, did a uh, reverse turnaround of a company in Toronto called Fan Exchange. Uh, their board hired me as their president to turn it from a consumer-oriented marketplace for secondary market live event tickets into a 
B2B company. Uh, I spent a couple years at that. Uh, David acquired that company um, post me leaving. And then uh, I, uh, I did something really interesting. I, I started a hardware company called Nucleus. Um, I, I joined as a co-founder um, with an amazing person named Jonathan Frankel, who um, had this vision to put a Wi-Fi home intercom system into everyone's homes. And that was sort of my first time working on a thesis of wanting to unite people together. Um, and it just so happened to be used hardware um, to execute that uh, vision. And, um, you know, recently moved back to Toronto in August of 2021 with the dream to unite people together with food. And that, uh, that will take us into uh, talking about cooking today. I hope that was helpful. Very interesting career. I'm trying to thread the needle on all of those things. I mean, you've you've done a lot of uh, between healthcare. I guess the loyalty did did points touch on some of the restaurant merchants, or was that uh, a different set of businesses? Yeah, it, it, it's an it, it's interesting to try to thread the needle. Um, and I think you know entrepreneurs spend time trying to create a a bit of a of a story adjoining things. I mean, the, the reality is, is that it's not linear. I would say points and Recycle Bank were all about behavior change, right? We were utilizing incentives to nudge people to do something different than they have done in the, in the past. And, you know, I, I sort of became uh, very addicted and interested in the idea of consumer behavior change. And that, that, that sort of guided a lot of the execution of, of, of all of my ventures, and it was about halfway into, you know, sort of the last couple of decades, about 10 years in where um, I became very interested in food tech because I love food. Um, it's always been sort of my, my thing. Um, we could talk about that another time. But um, the idea of uniting people together, that felt like a lifelong sort of worthwhile thing to aspire towards. And Nucleus was definitely that. We were creating hardware that brought families and loved ones and friends closer together so they can communicate with one another. And when we start to talk about cooking today, Matt, you'll, you'll start to see that um, the entire vision for cooking is united by food. And that's um, based on a thesis that in this world that's incredibly polarized where we, we've all become separated as a society, food might be the most powerful way to bring us back together. And I'm happy to talk about that today too. Awesome. Yeah, I totally agree with that uh, statement. And uh, yeah, breaking bread with your fellow uh, neighbor, anyone really, and sharing a, sharing a meal is the best way to get to know them, I believe. Um, so yeah, let's, let's hear the, the cook and pitch. Talk to us about where you're operating, what the value proposition is for both sides, and then maybe any stats you can share kind of on you know, how many meals you've delivered, how many chefs you have, that sort of thing. Um, happy to do that. It, it, maybe the best place is just to pick up on, you know, your, your comment, which I completely agree with, like breaking bread with a neighbor, how it brings people together. You know, I, um, I spent the last 13 years uh, living in New York and, and you know, as, as a father and, and a husband, I, I, you know, I just became very uncomfortable with the level of polarization in society, right? It, it seemed to me that, gosh, you know, you're either a Republican or a Democrat. You're, you're black or you're white or you're gay or you're straight or you're rich or you're poor. 
And I feel like the the separation and and that polarization is probably the greatest existential threat to society today. But then there's this incredible thing, right? You sit down at a at a table like the one I'm at right now, and you put some amazing food, and you talk about the food, and there's this unique ability to draw people into conversation about something that they share in common because. You know, it really doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat or black or white or rich or poor or gay or straight. You probably love food of somebody else's culture. You're probably totally into the food of somebody else's ethnicity. And in that uh, is, is an incredible opportunity. And, and it just so happens that we have a, a pretty special business model to effectuate that vision. So um, to your question, Matt, uh, Cookin is building the world's homemade food delivery marketplace. And, you know, the, the general idea is that if your God-given gift in life is to make food for other people, you know, the traditional way of monetizing your tradecraft, your gift, is to either start a restaurant or work in a restaurant. The challenge is, is that's a failing model, right? Most restaurants do not succeed. And the people that choose to um, work in a restaurant, you know, it's, it's well-documented. It, it's a really, really tough way to live your life, right? You have, you know, these incredible human beings who have a natural gift to make food for other people who are working, you know, really tough hours, usually for minimum wage in the back of a line. And the conditions are, they're just tough. And if you, if, you know, everyone has gone through, you know, their version of the pandemic over the last few years and, I think it's different for everyone, but what's interesting is I think most of us, and this is back to behavior change, we, we've we've looked in the mirror and we said to ourselves, no matter what we do, we've, we've asked ourselves like, is this how I want to live my life moving forward? And um, I think a lot of people from the restaurant industry have decided no, they, they, they don't want to work in the back of a line for minimum wage at 1.30 in the morning being yelled at, at the, on, on the line. But that doesn't change the fact that their gift in life and what they love doing, what they're passionate about is making food. So today, if one of those people are in Toronto, they can simply come to cook and apply to make food out of the comfort of their home, or they can use what we call the cook and clap, which is a certified commercial kitchen. They can come into it. We have several of them throughout the city. They can practice their trade craft, do what they love, choose when to do it, how much of it to do, and it will get propagated onto the cooking platform, which is a marketplace. It's an, it's an app that you can download for, from either uh, you know, Google Play or, or the App Store. And consumers are looking for incredible food. They're reading stories about these unbelievable food creators who you know, are making the most delicious food. We talked about Java Bali. We talked about Hooray for Pizza earlier. There's lit tons of examples like that. Uh, you order it. We send a driver to pick it up from the person that made it and take it directly to you. And in doing so, we're, you know, adjoining these people and uniting people together over this food experience. And that's, that's what we're up to. I think you asked, Matt, like, wh where are we operating? Um, we kicked this business off. Well, I'll tell you this. On January 17th, 2021, Cookin did not exist. We incorporated the company January 18th of of. Sorry, January 18th, 2022, last year, was the date of our incorporation. We soft launch, you know, in August for basically just friends and family, no promotion, nothing like that. We, you know, the data was pretty compelling. 
by October, we publicly launched Cookin in Toronto, which is our inaugural city. And, um, you know, today there's, you know, over 3,000 cooks that have applied to, to reinvent their lives and to, to cook on the Cookin platform. We've only onboarded, you know, just shy of 100. Uh, so we have our, our operations team is feverishly going through the process of making sure that these people have their accredited food handler certificate, that their kitchens are going through our inspection processes. And, um, you know, literally on a daily basis, there's, you know, somewhere between 150 and 250 new cooks applying to the platform. And it's scaling. Uh, you asked for some stats where, ah, gosh, we just literally just last week turned on our marketing. Um, we have about 18,000 people in uh, this little fair city that have uh, downloaded a cooking app and have expressed at least an interest in, in ordering. We've delivered now tens of thousands of meals. And, um, you know, with every one of those, there's this like story of us uniting people together around food. So it's, it's been, uh, it's been a ton of fun. Very cool. What would you on this thread of like behavioral change? What do you think is the biggest behavioral change that you're asking, I guess, consumers or chefs to make? Well, you know, the idea of, of ordering food from a food creator um, at you know and having that made in, in someone's home <laughs> is 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 not that's not traditional, right? Like you know, when when we order food online, we're, we're picking up a marketplace app and you're ordering from a restaurant, a, a brand that you might have seen or you might have gone to. For in-person dining, and this time you just you just want to deliver to your house. The behavior change here is saying, "Oh, that's interesting." The food creator is working out of their home. They're turning their home kitchen essentially into a delivery restaurant of sorts, and that that requires a behavior change. And I think it's largely a derivative of you know people getting comfortable with the idea that you know some of the best meals in the world are 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 coming from food creators and it has less to do with where they're working and more to do with, you know, their expertise and talent and the love and passion that they put into their meal. Absolutely. Very interesting to see, especially as the virtual brands get uh, all this attention as well. And people, and the, the notion of what constitute a quote unquote restaurant or, you know, just a, a, a food business is, is getting turned on its head. So really timely conversation. Yeah. Let's let's dive into the supply side of, of your marketplace. Okay. Can you talk to us about how you're onboarding these chefs, how often they're, like, what's the minimum to the maximum that they can work, and kind of who's the right type of person to get going on this from, from, the, from the cook side? And then kind of where are they cooking outside of their homes? I know that there's also some commissaries that you leverage, and then we can maybe get into the last mile component as well. Okay. That's a lot there, Matt. I'll, <laughs> uh, I'll do my best. You, you, you know, keep me honest if I, uh, if I miss any sure. of the, the long tail questions there, but I'll, I'll, uh, I'll take you through it. So the journey for a food creator to monetize their, their trade craft on cooking starts with the, you know, them filling out a form on cooking and, you know, we've built uh, intellectual property that responds to them and, 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 and allows them to understand what's involved in going from expressing an interest to actually joining us. And every step of the way, there's either an automated sort of uh, methodology to walk them through that onboarding, or uh, we have an, uh, a department inside of our ops team called Cook Success, which will handhold them through certain parts of the process. So you've applied uh, to Cook on Cookin. We get your information uh, first step is to 
let the individual know what's required. Um, in in Ontario, um, in Toronto, where, where we're currently operating, we require uh, every single person to have gone through a provincial ac- accreditation process to become a food handler. Um, assuming they have that, they upload their credentials to us and we start the onboarding process. The onboarding process um, has two paths. We can either onboard them into the cooking club, which is a commercial kitchen. I'll touch on some of the unique aspects of that in a moment, or they can cook out of their home kitchen. Let's deal with the home kitchen first because the majority of people are choosing that option. They want freedom and flexibility in their life. In order to cook out of your home kitchen, your kitchen needs to go through an inspection process. So this is an actual process where we have um, professionally trained uh, chef from our Cook Success Lead who is walking the cook through, they'll be walked through their kitchen essentially. We're recording it. And we have a long checklist of criteria. You know, how are you storing your meat? Where are your thermometers, et cetera, et cetera. The cleanliness, you know, making sure that there's there's a lot of checks around safety and cleanliness for the kitchen that have to be met. Assuming they meet all those that criteria, they'll be passed and they can start their menu creation process. Menu creation process is, you know, largely up to the food creator. They'll decide what they want to make. Um, we'll take, uh, they will either take a picture uh, of that food and meet our guidelines for that, or they'll be invited into our photography studio, uh, which is actually located in our headquarters, which is centrally located in the middle of the city. We do a tasting of the food at, at that time, which is why I look the way I do. And, um, I get to enjoy, uh, tasting, you know, food from all of these unbelievably talented individuals. The Delta between that type of onboarding and uh, for the home kitchen and the commercial kitchen is we, we don't do a kitchen inspection process for the commercial kitchen because that's already a dine safe approved uh, facility. To your you know question, Matt, and I'm trying to remember everything you asked for. The interesting thing about our uh, commercial kitchens is we're using houses of worship, primarily churches um, that we've partnered with, and, and I'll tell you a little bit about that. So you know. Most synagogues and churches and houses of worship have certified commercial kitchens in them that used to be used, you know, fairly often, but a lot has changed. Most of them are dormant um, and only used for, you know, weddings and bar mitzvahs and things like that, that that are occurring from time to time. And for the most part, these are facilities that are not being monetized and, and they're empty. And the houses of worship, well, they quite frankly, they love cooking. And I'll tell you why. They love cooking because we are often enabling individuals who are sometimes considered to be invisible people. They're people who are struggling to make ends meet. Um, and, uh, you know, by them reinventing their lives on cooking, they're going from like minimum wage to making $50, $60, $70 an hour uh, monetizing their tradecraft. So dramatic change to these people's lives. And, you know, the church to get involved in a business model that enables that type of paradigm shift in income earning capability for, for these people is of great interest to them. Second, many of them are uh, immigrants or newcomers to the country who are, you know, they have the most incredible recipes and authentic cooking capability, but, you know, they haven't established themselves. So for them to turn to a model that enables them to work within a house of worship and locally in their neighborhood and build up their their capabilities and, and their ability to take care of their families in many, many cases. That's also of interest to the church. And the last thing is, is that, you know, we sort of very early 
on we we recognize that our business model, you know, as we succeed, is going to feed a lot of people in the community, right? Like, but the people that are being fed by Cookin are they're fortunate people. Like the the pricing of, of you know of food on Cookin is not more expensive, but it's similarly priced to what you would pay in a restaurant, but arguably a much higher quality sort of bespoke experience. But it's not cheap. So, you know, my partner Michael and I sort of recognize that there's a lot of people, unfortunately in every major city and, you know, around the world, but especially in North America right now, that they're, they're challenged by food insecurity. Like the thought of buying a meal on, on a platform like Cookin or, or a restaurant marketplace or even going to a restaurant is, it's like not at all in their mind. They're, they're, they're really challenged to sort of take care of themselves and their loved ones. So we make a donation with every meal that we sell. We partner with a local nonprofit in the community that we are servicing so that we can help feed those who are challenged by food insecurity. And, and I think the churches and synagogues really love that triple bottom line approach that we're taking. And that's opened the door. Um, and um, it's made it possible to, for us to have these um, certified commercial kitchens locally located directly in the neighborhoods that we're servicing. And quite frankly, as we turn our attention towards expansion into the U.S., we've been met with an equally receptive uh, audience from uh, the church community, um, certainly in Dallas, where, where we're about to launch. Awesome. Yeah, I definitely want to get into that. Um, very fascinating model. I love the approach. And I want to compare this now to your competitor in the U.S. when, you, when you'll be here soon, uh, which is called Chef. And I would say, mm. and I would categorize them as playing very fast and loose and, and kind of blitz scaling to get to, to where they are today. I mean, we, we understand now, I, I guess, how you're unique from, you know, at least the, the synagogue commissaries and the church commissaries um, and, and all the donations and all that. But I guess, you know, how else are you unique from them? And then what do you think the, are the hurdles that both of you need to overcome in, in the U.S., um, given the fact that we have this microenterprise home kitchen Enterprise Miko, I guess is it's pronounced for short. Yeah, uh, legislation yeah. that's in California, but it's it's in very few counties, so it's actually only been really formalized in a very very small number of places. It was Riverside, and I don't remember the other one, but it's in Southern California, I believe. But talk to us about what needs to what your approach is going to be here. Where 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 are you going to follow the rules? Where do you need to bend the rules a bit? What needs to change? Yeah, so. Um, there's a lot in that as well, um, Matt. So, so let me let me start to take it in the order that that you um, yeah. that you brought it to me. You know, first of all, um, it's hard being a first mover in a domain that requires a lot of change. So, um, my hat is off to the entrepreneurs uh, behind Chef, who you know are certainly uh, you know to use your word, they they appear to be uh, blitz scaling uh, now. You know, I hope that they uh, are able to realize their vision and their dreams. And, and um, you know, there's an enormous marketplace available for to, to be served. And, you know, we think that there's uh, an exceptional amount of differentiation in approach. And, and um, you know, we're humbly going to uh, stay laser focused on doing what we want to do. But um, let's talk a little bit about the differentiation. You know, I think if you're in the mood for deep ethnic cuisine and uh, you're living somewhere uh, in, in the U.S. marketplace right now, I think Chef provides uh, an exceptional opportunity to, you know, find the best Bangladeshi cuisine that you've ever had. And it's going to be made by a home cook 
who is going to put a lot of love and care into that meal. And then they're going to cool it off. And they're going to put it into a chef bag and take it to a central depot. And you can order it. You can order a couple days worth. You can order from multiple different cooks at once. And a delivery driver will come to your house in a beautiful red bag. They've done a great job with branding and they're going to deliver you, you know, a cool, cooled off uh, meal from one or more uh, home cooks. And you're going to have this incredible, deep uh, ethnic experience. And I think that there's probably a meaningful market for that. And I also sort of take my hat off to them for the effective lobbying that they're doing to level the playing field for those cooks who want to undertake that type of proposition. We respectfully have a different view. Like we, um, we see cooking as being the most ideal platform to have an exquisite meal experience. Not necessarily deep ethnic, but certainly we'll have those options. But you know, if you wanted the best pizza that you've ever had in a given city, we think that that's going to come from a unbelievable pizza maker who put a lot of love and passion into making 15 pies uh, on, on a given night. And we don't necessarily believe that that pizza should be cooled off to room temperature, that it should be driven to a central uh, depot. And then from there, it should be delivered to you so you could warm it up and prepare it for you or for your family or both. Our view is that the real opportunity is to have that exquisite pizza delivered hot and fresh uh, within an hour of you ordering it or within a 30-minute period of time if you had pre-ordered it um, for a specific time window. And that's the business model that we are executing uh, here in Toronto today. Today, if you opened up the cooking app and you had a local address in Toronto, you put in the address and you would see a number of home cooks, usually like 25 to 30, depending on at any given time, who are very local to your uh, radius. And you choose your meal. You can either have it delivered ASAP or within a defined 30-minute period of time for the next week ahead. And it's going to come hot and fresh, and you will enjoy a meal much like a restaurant experience that you have. Um, and that's, that's a massive, massive um, point of differentiation. You know, you asked me uh, what our approach is going to be in the United States market. Well, I'm a dual citizen, uh, proud American, proud Canadian, and um, can't wait to bring uh, this business to America. And in our, our aspiration uh, is we'll be in you know 17 major metros in the U.S. by 2025, if not more. And we're doing that city by city on a, and I wouldn't call it blitz scaling. I would call it um, sort of a humble and, and careful approach to building partnerships within the city. We, we don't hide. We're very much above board. In Toronto, we're all over the press about what we're doing. We meet actively with politicians and share with them exactly what we're doing, how we're doing it. And, you know, we humbly look them in the eye on behalf of the thousands of people who need the playing field level for themselves. And we, we suggest to them that in this day and age, like, there is an opportunity to modify the existing laws to level the playing field for them. And we tell them that there is a way to do it and we're prescriptive about it. So in Ontario, there is a revised version of the regulation that we have helped write that demonstrates all the steps that are being undertaken by the cooks and by cooking with no um, sort of weight put onto the government to enable this type of business model to happen. The accreditation process of the cook has to be in place without exception. 
The inspection of the kitchens has to happen without an inspection. The inspections of the kitchens have to happen at regular intervals. And by the way, there is no municipal, state, or federal government anywhere in the world that is prepared to enable this type of business model tomorrow, right? It's just not happening. You want to open up a restaurant in the city like Toronto, it's like third largest m- metropolitan city in, in all of North America. You have to wait six months to have an inspector come and look at your kitchen. Why? Because there's like a, a dozen of them in the entire city and you have to wait. There's no way we could ask them to inspect 3,000 people's home kitchens and determine whether they're good to go or not. So it's upon, you know, we have to take that cost and investment on ourselves. And it's, a, it's incumbent upon us to demonstrate to the government that there is a safe way of doing this. You, you know, Matt, there's, this is no different than, you know, the situation that Airbnb was in or that Uber was in very early on where, you know, they had to demonstrate to the government that there was a safe way to have somebody staying in your home, that there was a safe way to get in the back of a car on the interstate or a, you know, on the Trans-Canada Highway at, a, at 120 kilometers an hour and go from point A to point B. And when that was happening, you know, gosh, there, there were people in the, uh, out there that saying, like, someone's staying in your home? People are going to die. <laughs> someone is going to drive you in, in your car. A stranger is going to take you from point A to point B on the highway. That can't happen. People are going to die. Um, <laughs> and it's not lost upon me that people are going to say the same thing about micro-enterprise home kitchens. But we, we humbly believe that somebody can make you a sandwich under their home in a very safe way so long as there are you know, prescriptions in place to do it properly. And our, our intention is to demonstrate that there is a safe and proper way to do it and to adhere to uh, that, that standard at all times. Uh, I can tell you this, we have absolutely rejected kitchens that do not meet our criteria um, because we have to. The whole, the whole model is at risk. We have every incentive to do this right. And with you know, tens of thousands of meals that are being served, I can also look you in the eye right now and, and tell you as a gentleman, we haven't had a single issue brought to our attention from a health or safety standpoint, from any government level at any point in time. And um, we, we, we believe that's due to one thing, doing it properly. Uh, our intention as we expand into the US marketplace is to do it properly and to work hand in hand uh, with the regulatory bodies to demonstrate that this is a wonderful opportunity for them to enable small business, to enable entrepreneurs, and to recognize that times have changed and the laws that, you know, have been in place for, you know, decades and decades to service the restaurant industry need to be modified to speak to today's modern day and age. And that's our intention. But we'll do it with a lot of humility, I can tell you that. That's really assuring to hear. Um, as you're describing this, I'm thinking back to my youth um, where in, in California, and then obviously this has expanded Everywhere, a lot of cities in the country that you know, you now have those ABC ratings, right? Um, for the health inspection, and I printed out one for my uh, my childhood home <laughs> in my kitchen. I just printed out like a blue A, <laughs> and I'm That's now awesome. imagining, you know, like in the window of some random home, and you know, some food creator's home, like you know, that they would have like a 
some sort of certificate from cooking or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think that's, I think it's, you know, super exciting to think about that. And we're, we're going to go a step further. Like, we really, ha- we don't have anything to hide. Like, we, I don't want to speak too soon because our head of product and, and maybe our CTO is going to get angry at me. But, um, you know, our, the vision from a product standpoint is to give consumers a perfect, like, live, real view into the kitchens mm. that where these food creators are working, right? If we're, if we're serious about uniting people by food, we, we want to actually have communication between the cook and the consumer. And part of that will be, you know, allowing allowing the customer to see like exactly where this exquisite meal is being prepared. And and um, you'll, uh, you'll it, it's akin to uh, having a walkthrough of the, uh, of the kitchen of the restaurant that you're going to eat at. And I go so far as to say this, Matt, most people don't think twice about sort of the, the look and feel and status of, of a restaurant's kitchen, we're going to enable our customers to actually see it. And um, it's a source of pride for us. So, you know, we, we, uh, we're dreaming about doing this the right way. That's really cool. And I, yeah, I really appreciate the diversity in food, but I think where my caution comes from is obviously everything we've discussed, right? It's just, just, you know, you can't, just say yes to everyone. You can't just make them do some sort of online course that's like literally like the BS driving tests that I've done online where you just get a, you know, a quack doctor to say, you know, that you need this prescription or whatever it is that we've seen online with these new business models. That cannot simply happen here. So um, it's good to hear that, you know, you're knocking on people's doors and, and going in. And we're recording it too, Matt, and doing it four times a year. And it's real investment for us. And, and, and by the way, that wasn't like us adjusting our business model because somebody got upset or told us you can't do We really asked ourselves before anything exists, like, how do we do this right? And there's cheaper, faster, you know, there are ways to do that, to, to blitz scale and like go for it instantaneously that, that you know, make our numbers look better. But it would it would not, it would mean not doing it right, and yeah. and when you're dealing with a business like this, you have to do it right and be and be prepared to invest. So that's what we're doing. Very cool. So something that there's a topic that's really interesting to me is just kind of seeing how the pandemic has brought about a new you know like you said before like new business models, new ways of thinking about a career trajectory or what does it somebody with a talent like a chef. What does that look like in the in this modern age with all these tools? We've been, have never had more tools, in my opinion, for chefs to monetize. You look at a restaurant like Noma that says that they're closing, and everyone's up in arms, but they're gonna, you know, become more of a brand that does various product launches and more ephemeral pop ups. You know, what do you think? You know, looking at your platform, what does the ideal trajectory look like for someone on the supply side for a cook? And then when do you? kind of graduate like what is the holy grail for someone on your platform and maybe you could talk about you know you you hinted at this earlier around like success stories but maybe you can talk about some early success stories yeah so the early success stories are are the cohort of cooks that we we internally call them super cooks um super cook for us has a very specific definition it means you're working at least five days a week and you're making about 15 meals a day okay that like really not crazy. Like th- this is like, if, if you are used, if you are used to doing things the old school way and, and sort of, you know, work until 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, maybe later, um, on the line of a restaurant and, uh, making, you know, somewhere between 15 and 
$20 an hour. A super cook on our platform who's working five days a week, making 15 meals a day, they're, they're a little small business that uh, cooking will help them enable is grossing about $150,000 a year, $149,000 a year in revenue. And they're netting after costs about $88,000 a year. Now, Matt, you, you've been in tech for a while and, and you know, these numbers might not be sort of overly impressive to you, but I can't tell you what it means for somebody who's you know, used to making forty dollars or $50,000 a year. They come into our, I've had people crying in our office of what this has meant for them. And um, it, it is a paradigm shift in their income earning capability. And, and, and that, is, that is what super cooks are doing today. You know, you asked me first question today, the, 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 uh, the, which was probably your hardest question, like, who do I like the most? You know, both of those people, uh, Zolfikar and Adam, they're, they're super cooks. One of those individuals, I don't want to speak about, you know, giving you a little bit of this, but one of those people like, did over $25,000 last month alone and has hired somebody to help them scale their business on cooking. I couldn't be prouder of him. Like that, that is unbelievable. Two thirds of the cooks on our platform are women. Many of them are newcomers and all of them share one thing in common. They love cooking. They have incredible recipes um, and they're unbelievably talented what they do. And now they're able to finally be recognized and monetize it. I had um, a chef sand uh, sent me a text literally two days ago. I'll read it to you. This is the one you put up on LinkedIn the other day? I put it up on LinkedIn. Yeah. I, I honestly, it like, it blew my mind away. Um, I was so happy with it. I don't have <laughs> but the, the 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 genesis of it was she she just wrote me out of the blue and 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 she said uh, she said more like I can't thank cooking enough. Like it has changed my life. She now has time with her family, and she's able to do what she loves. And to me, that that's. That's exactly who we stand for. This is somebody who has, you know, an incredible, um, an incredible, you know, young family, and um, she's now able to spend time with her son, her husband. Here's Swish Root. Hi, Morley. Hope you're doing well. This is Sand from Bandai Food. I just want to thank you for everything. I'm so proud to be part of Cooking with a with a blue heart. <laughs> Thanks for this business idea to help me as a chef and can still do what I love. Passionate about cooking. Also, I'm still able to have time to spend with my family. I can't thank you enough for you and your team. Thank you, Sand. That's awesome. Um, we stand for her, Matt. We stand for her. That's yeah. Those stories are great. Uh, so, what, what do you? What is the ultimate like? Bit, so, the business model is you take a cut uh, off the top. Can you just talk a little bit about about the economics and then where? Like, if someone like that wants to take it to the next level, where do you see them ultimately going? I know this is probably, you know, it's been, it's still early days. And those figures that you're quoting of like netting 88,000 is, is really impressive. Mm -hmm. uh, but like, let's just say, what's the trajectory for someone who's like really serious? Well, Michael and I always talk about this. I mean, I, I, first of all, let, let's just go back to sand for a second, right? Best pad CU I've ever tasted in my life, hands down. You just came back from Asia, um, so I know you have, you know, a very particular palate. Please come to Toronto. <laughs> come, come to my house. We'll order Thai together from somebody who moved here from Thailand. It will blow your mind away. Anyway, I digress. We could talk about food later. Uh, it happens to be I'm on the East Coast, so I'm, I'm more hungry than you are right now. <laughs> but um, the 
you know, Matt, the, uh, there are going to be people who get discovered, uh, on cooking. And, um, you know, I would, I, I see a world where, you know, a few of them are, are going to be approached and be like, you know, by investors and others who are like going to say to sand, you really need to be in a restaurant and we need to take this to the next level and generate, you know, many, many hundreds of thousands of dollars for you. And you should be training other people on how to make your dishes. And we might lose that person on cooking, Matt, but we will celebrate that moment all day long. Our entire team will. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, we built an enablement platform for cooks. That's what we stand for. I have something on my wall. It's, a, you know, it, it's, it's an algorithm for our success. Our algorithm says we should do everything possible to attract, retain, and build the best product for cooks. Why? Because if you have the best cooks and you can keep them, you have the best meals. And if you have the best meals, you have the happiest customers. I think it's that simple. That's our guiding light as a team and, um, and, and how we think about things here um, at Cookin'. And if San gets discovered and she starts a restaurant um, and her roots were in cooking, we'll do that all day long because there are thousands and thousands of people who will aspire towards that journey. And we're already seeing that type of supply side demand uh, on our platform. And, and people talk to each other. This, this happens to be an amazing way to live your life and to, to be a small business owner and to be an entrepreneur doing what you love yeah. um, seems to be resonating with people in this day and age. Yeah. Um, you asked about our business model. Um, I'm happy to share. So if you are cooking out of your home kitchen on Cookin' Mat, you're keeping uh, 80% of the revenue associated with your, your cooking. Uh, we charge a 10% fee on the consumer side, and we've integrated with all the major delivery platform providers. So the fees that we're getting charged, we're uh, either subsidizing to acquire the customer or passing that through to the customer. Got it. If you are cooking out of our commercial kitchen, the Cooking Cloud, um, that 80% goes down to 70%. And we're using that 10% to cover off our costs of uh, leveraging the commercial kitchen and sharing that with the house of worship. Very interesting. That's it. Yeah, that, yeah love the model. And then on the topic of you know the, the graduation, so to speak, or like the career trajectory, I, th- I could see it kind of going both ways. I can see people who, who were sick of the hectic life in the restaurant trying to, you know, to spend more time with their family. And then I could see it from the other side of like someone who's just really young and hungry, who has infinite amount of energy wanting to just get up and running as quickly as possible, hone their craft and then just go for it. Whatever that might be, it could be a restaurant. It might be something that we don't even know what that is yet. Right. Or like it's some new kind of TikTok driven content slash commerce business model, right? Like we're seeing some from some of these TikTok chefs. Uh, right, which is chock full of potential there too. And, and um, we have open arms welcoming to, you know, either end of the spectrum or anyone in between. Um, we just want to stand for serving, you know, exquisite meals and making people happy with great food and bringing people together. So... I want to talk about the U.S. for a second. I mean, because you are in Canada yeah. now. What do you think is going to be like the biggest shift for you guys when you come here? Who who do you think your competitors are going to be? And um, yeah, what 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 do you think are the differences in the types of consumers and chefs that you're going to attract, if if if, if any? Right. Um, so we are in Canada now only. Uh, we're in Toronto. 
uh, we will be uh, launching our first U.S. market, uh, Dallas, uh, you know, this summer. So um, a lot on the go and, and, um, and have aspirations to sort of do uh, 15 more cities uh, in the U.S. over the course of the next, call it, year and a half or so. The biggest difference uh, for us is going to be, you know, not, I, I won't be there on the ground locally. And, you know, just, if, if we could just shift back to sort of um, fundamental rules of entrepreneurship, I think it's it's always a, a right move to sort of de-risk, um, you know, what you know, starting a business and and um, you know the more you de-risk it, the closer you get to success. And 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 for, for for me, you know, although it was quite painful to move from New York, and my wife reminds me every day that um, the weather sucks in Toronto and she <laughs> misses all of her friends in New York, and and that was a big sacrifice for us. Coming to Toronto, where you know. I was born and raised and, and knowing the city and, and Michael is incredibly well established here. We were able to de-risk the execution because we knew the nooks and crannies of the city really well. We were able to partner with, you know, Canada's most acclaimed Michelin star award-winning uh, chef Patrick Claris at Allo to help us build uh, audience early. We, you know, there, there's not, you know, a, there, there are only two major networks for our, two or three major networks for delivery drivers here and we can easily partner with them and, you know, getting to the government officials, you know, at this stage in our career, uh, wasn't that much of a stretch. All of that is somewhat foreign to us in Dallas, right? I, I don't know the market as well. Been there hundreds of times, spent time sort of analyzing the market and feel really good about, you know, the, the Texas hospitality and, and, um, sort of the warm welcome that we're getting uh, early on with our initial hires that we've put on the ground already. But, I truly don't know the market as w not nowhere near how well I know Toronto and, and we're, we're going to have to deal with that. That that's, that's a, uh, you know, flexing a muscle of launching a city that is not your own. We have not proven our ability to do that yet. So, uh, humbly I go into this, um, knowing what I don't know. And, um, I'm focusing on, on, on putting, uh, in place an, an amazing team to help us mitigate that risk. But, but there's a ton of risk. Yeah. Our competitors, Matt, are, you know, you brought up another company earlier that, that you know, it's very natural for you to suggest that that's a competitor. Um, they have a very different business model yeah. and different approach to us. You know, I, I think our competitors are much more the larger marketplaces like the DoorDashes and, and Ubers of the world who, you know, have a very interesting quagmire of a business model. They're in the business of serving uh, of serving restaurants and um, and helping restaurants uh, execute delivery by you know having a, an incredible app that allows a customer to order food and and then they they take a very very significant chunk of the restaurant's revenue, which is a high source of friction for those marketplaces and the, and they they do a wonderful job of of making an incredible delivery service. They are our competitors because ultimately. We stand for the food creators, the chefs and cooks who are creating small businesses and unbelievable food. And we, we believe that consumers will ultimately uh, want to have a higher quality uh, food delivery experience. And uh, therefore, they, they naturally are in our crosshairs. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, if I'm paying all these fees for you know just some meal that I already know, I, I think I want something more novel. I want, it has to warrant that premium. So I think something more bespoke out of someone's home is going to make a lot more sense. We'll see, right? Um, you know, 
we, we feel like we are part of the restaurant industry. The restaurant industry is not our competitor. We, we, we stand for the people who are working inside of the industry and therefore we are part of the industry. But I also believe that like a more personal experience is what people want today, right? You have a finite amount of money. You want to spend some of it yeah. in the hospitality industry. You have a choice, right? You can have a transactional experience, which I, I would say the the major marketplaces do a great job of having a a transaction, right? You want a bowl of Thai, you know, pad Thai delivered to you that was made by somebody in the line who you have no relationship with, and you know you'll get it and eat it and feel a certain way afterwards. <laughs> Fine, but if you're the type of person that puts value in a bespoke highly personal experience yeah. made where a dish is made with love and care and you are into the story behind that, we'll provide you with a great opportunity awesome. uh, to connect you with that food creator and for that food creator to take their energy that they put into making that unbelievable meal. Maybe they're only making 15 in a day. And when you take that first taste, our business model will make a heck of a lot of sense to you at that moment in time. Awesome. Yeah, looking forward to the day I can try in LA. Me too, Matt. As we kind of come up towards the end of the conversation, I want to quote something from from David Chang on his Hulu show, where he said, um, I think the mid-market restaurant will now be the domain of home. You get food delivered to that home, you cook at home. But I think one of the things that will happen is you'll be able to serve food out of your home as a business. So my question to you, uh, I guess my final question to you is, you know, what do you think are is the impact of home cooking on the broader dining landscape? And what does the home chef of the next five years or so look like in 2030? What does the home chef look like? Um, he's a visionary. I obviously agree with him. And uh, I've made cooking my life's work to bring that vision to a reality. And I think in five years from now, uh, incredibly talented individuals who make unbelievable food, if that is their gift in life and that is what they want to do, uh, there will be alternative options than uh, just cooking out of a restaurant to monetize that tradecraft. And their own home kitchen can be that restaurant. They can have their cake and eat it too. Mind the uh, <laughs> my mind me explaining it to you that way. And their cake and eating it too, Matt, is freedom and flexibility in their life, and uh, you know an incredible income earning opportunity. And that's that's what models like uh, cooking will bring to the world. And you know, I think for consumers, what it's going to mean, you know, when, when you're when you have any type of product or service that is derived from somebody who is ultimately a happy person, the quality experience is going to be better. So for me and you, Matt, we can expect in the next five years to be enjoying much higher meal quality experiences because the people who are undertaking that effort to share it with us are happier totally, because they have that freedom and flexibility in their life. Totally. I, yeah, that will ref, that will show up in so many different aspects of food, and I think it's definitely underappreciated. You can't we can't sustain the the you know the, the normal status quo of working conditions and expect you know food quality to improve or stay the same. So I totally agree. And one, I mean, I guess one last final question before 
I give you the chance to plug uh, where we can download it and sign up. But what we do you envision this also being something like Food Gnome, where you could actually eat at someone's house uh, for the dine-in experience, or is it all off-premise? Um, right now, it's all off-premise, and 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 the truth is, I think what Akshay has done at Food Gnome, and and you know, he, he has paved the way for entrepreneurs like us, and I, I think very highly of him and 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 what his team has has accomplished in is sort of um, cracking the nut on on AB six twenty six and other things. Um, we have a different view. Like we're 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 we have enough to chew on right now, Matt. On executing our core business model that we have not yet started to contemplate you know what it would be like to have an in-house uh, full dining experience right. we think the bigger opportunity is to service the many 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 thousands of people who want to reinvent their lives and take advantage of an empowerment platform like Koken to uh, execute their tradecraft yeah it makes a lot of sense I'm actually gonna go to someone's house this weekend um, I, I bought the tickets on something called hot plate and yeah It'll be interesting. It was it was very expensive, but I think it'll be worth it. It'll, it's it's some sort of pork from a regenerative farm. Yes, I eat trafe. Um, <laughs> yes, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Enjoy, Matt. That sounds like a lot of fun. I wish I could join you. And um, you know, I uh, I think that that type of model is amazing too because it's another. It's it's just a, it's another avenue to unite people together by food, and and ultimately that's our vision and. Quite frankly, uh, you know, all the cool things that I talked with you about today, Matt, it's a derivative of one thing, having an unbelievable team. And our unbelievable team is a derivative of all being galvanized by this, you know, incredibly important vision of needing to be united together by food. And that's that's what I wake up in the morning thinking about and go to go to sleep thinking about. Awesome. So yeah, I'd love to give you just a few moments here to just plug away. If we're in the U.S. and want to get on the wait list so that we know exactly when you launch, how do we do that? If we're uh, an uh, up-and-coming cook and I want to get started in, when you launch in, uh, in Dallas, how do I get started? Yeah. yeah. If you have any tech openings, uh, if you have any of those in the U.S. or anywhere, how do, how do people apply? Uh, just plug away whatever you want to plug. Uh, that's really generous of you, Matt. Thanks. Um, so I'll keep it simple. Go to cookin.com, C-O-O-K-I-N.com. Uh, on there, you'll find a few things. Uh, links to the App Store to download the app. Links to Google Play to download the app. You'll find our open positions. We are Yes, we are hiring engineers. Yes, we're hiring in many different you know, positions in different departments right now. Uh, please check it out. You can find everything on there. And if you're a cook, uh, welcome. We'd love to welcome you onto our platform. Uh, and, and we are actively recruiting in the, in the Dallas market right now. And, um, you know, even if you're in the U.S. and not in a place where you're that we're servicing right now, download the app and uh, that way you'll, you'll, you'll have first dibs on some exquisite cuisine when we go live. Yeah, awesome. Very much looking forward to seeing that on the U.S. App Store. Morley, this has been a pleasure. Really appreciate you taking the time and uh, really great to chat with you. Thanks, Matt. The pleasure has been mine. I really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. And if you're curious to get a firsthand look at the cutting edge of food and tech, check out Hungry.tv. That's Hungry with No You, where you can join in on live conversations like these or sign up for the free weekly newsletter.